thank you for tuning in to the Transformed Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. This podcast challenges us to be different from this world in which we live and to transform ourselves into the best that we can be for God. Here is your host, Caleb Rutherford. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in and being with us today for this episode of uh, the Transform Podcast. It's crazy to think that we are already six episodes into season two. Um, this 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 episode right here, making it week seven, school is in full swing, falls right around the corner. Um, we're over halfway through the year of 2021 already, and I hope that your life is going well. I hope that you're feeling blessed. I hope that you that this podcast network is helping you in that regard. I hope, I hope it's helping you grow. Um, we're striving to be beneficial to you as listeners, and hopefully uh, we're attaining that goal and that we are help, we're helping you to grow in your faith and in your knowledge of the Word of God. Um, I hope that you are learning about God, that you're learning about His Word, that you're studying His Word every single day, and His, you're learning about the plan that He has for us as His children. Um, maybe you've never heard of some of the things that we've talked about before. Maybe there are some things that are maybe foreign to you and you've never really thought about them. Uh, if that's the case, um, thank you for taking a listen, and I hope you keep listening. And I hope that if you have any questions, uh, you reach out to us, that you're willing to, to talk to us about these things, because we would be certainly more than happy and more than willing to talk to you and to try to answer any questions uh, that you might have. Um, again, all the ways to contact us are in our show notes below, so please don't be afraid to check those out and do that if you need to. And also, as always, please remember to give us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, um, and that would certainly help us out greatly. Once again, we are in the midst of Season 2, and if you've been following along with us, you do know that we are studying the theme of transforming into, and specifically we are looking at Hebrews chapter 11, the, the hall of faith, as some people call it. And we're looking uh, at, the, at this chapter for these first eight lessons. Um, and we're looking at how we can transform into a person of great faith. And if you've listened to any of our episodes uh, for the beginning of this season, you know that we've had a guest on with us, and he'll be on with us throughout this episode, as well as next episode. And then we can, we'll finally kick him off the podcast. <laughs> but I appreciate Ben uh, being on the podcast today again. Yeah, man, I've really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the last several episodes we've been able to do, and I'm looking forward to uh, closing this out strong. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's been a pleasure um, and a blessing to have you on. Um, let's jump right in as we talk about this uh, the character of Rahab today. Now, um, so really, this is a very, very interesting study. I'm really excited for um, this one, probably the most out of all of the ones that we've been able to study. But I want to read uh, where she's talked about in Hebrews chapter 11, um, I want to read here at beginning of verse 30, where the Bible says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Verse 31, By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. So Ben, what is kind of the setting when we get to Joshua chapter 2, and that's where all this takes place? What, what's kind of the setting um, and as to who Rahab is and kind of what the situation is going on there? Well, when we're looking at kind of the setting and the background of what's what's happening, we really got to back up to chapter one there in the book of Joshua. Sure. And here we see uh, this this book, this chapter is introduced. Uh, we see that Moses has now um, passed away, and um, God is going to to tell Joshua that Joshua will be taking his place. And so God is setting Joshua up as the the successor to Moses, and he's going to take Moses' place in the leadership of the Israelites. And and find it interesting that God explains to Joshua there in verse five that. You know, just as he was to Moses, he will be to Joshua as well. 
And he said he will always be with him and he will not leave nor forsake him. And so I find that interesting that right off the bat, God is trying to instill this confidence in Joshua saying, you know, don't worry. You saw me with Moses and I will be just like that with you as well. Right. And then even more so instilling that more confidence as we see a couple of different times in this chapter, but there and specifically in verse nine, where he says, be, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord. Your God is with you wherever you go. I think that's just kind of starts Joshua off on the right foot, knowing that he mm-hmm. is up for the task. You know, obviously he sees all the difficulties Moses had with the Israelites throughout his um, role as, as leader of the Israelites, but God's telling him that it'll be okay. I'm always, I will be with you. And then we see, so his first order of business is he's ordered, he's going to order to cross the Jordan and to go take the land that is in, in front of them. And once the people figure out that Joshua's, you know, their new leader, I see there in verse 16, how, uh, they expressed their support for Joshua and saying that whatever he commands them to do, they will do. Wherever he says for them to go, they will go. And so Joshua now has the support of the people. And, of course, you know as well as I do, that always makes it easier uh, to lead <laughs> when the people you're leading uh, support you as well. Right. And so then trying to take, getting ready to go take that land, that brings us to chapter 2 where he's going to send out these uh, spies. Yeah, no, exactly. And so I guess we could kind of, as we get into this, we could kind of talk about now who uh, who Rahab was. Who was she as an individual? And I think a lot of people might say, you know, how in the world could someone like Rahab be um, in the Hall of Faith? Um, we know that she's mentioned twice in the New Testament, Hebrews 11, right here where we're studying from, and then also James chapter 2. So how in the world could someone like Rahab, someone who was a liar, someone who is a harlot or a prostitute, um, how could she be someone that we look to for an example of great faith in our lives today? Um, I know a lot of people will say, well, situational ethics must be okay because you look at Rahab. It's got to be okay to lie if the end product ends up being what's needed. Rahab lied. She's justified. She ends up in the hall of faith all as well. Well, it's not exactly right. And let's, let's get into it here uh, for just a few moments. In my opinion, and Ben, you can chime in on this too if you want to. In my opinion, Rahab at this point was certainly not a God-fearing and God-obeying individual because she was obviously still playing the harlot. She was obviously still living as a pagan. Now, that's not to say that she hadn't heard of them because she had. You can look at Joshua chapter 2 and verse 10. The Bible says, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea, for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites when you were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. So obviously um, she had heard of them. She had she had listened to some of the things that had happened, but she had not given her life over to God. She was not someone who um, who was living for God, I guess, in that sense. Yeah, I think it's a good point. You know, we kind of talked about this with, um, I think it was Sarah a couple, a couple episodes ago about maybe we can look at it in the sense of her being recorded here in Hebrews 11, that maybe it was this event that sort of catapulted her faith right. and really pulled her faith forward. And you look, you look at it in this, in Joshua chapter two. And as you said, Rahab, she had heard of all these things. She just hadn't necessarily acted on it yet, but you know, as we see that the oath that she made with those spies about, you know, uh, her protection for their protection and, and all that, since we won't really go into too great detail with that, uh, but I think she truly saw the power of God and and how that all played out, and I think that more so uh, further instilled that faith in her that you know she had already heard it, and well now maybe it was time for her uh, to believe it, and so therefore maybe that sort of 
I guess it you know sprung her faith uh, forward. Right. No. Exactly. I think yeah, it kind of was the was the springboard for her to go into doing great great things. But up to that point, you look back again at verse two. The Bible says they had come to the house of a harlot named Rahab. So it seems to me at least that she's still carrying out this profession. She's a pagan. She's she's not um, who God wanted her to be yet. So I think we can make the point here that Rahab is still living as a pagan. She's still living in the world, which I think explains her quick motive to lie. It was almost like second nature. You know, people in the world lie all the time without even thinking about it. And so I think that's why it was so easy for her to just, you know, just immediately, she said, I'm just going to lie and make sure you get what you need out of this situation. And so as Christians, you and I know, obviously our first reaction ought to be to tell the truth, but I think for the world to tell a lie, it's really not that big of a deal in our, in the world's eyes. Um, So I think we need to establish first that Rahab was not living a righteous and and a pure life. Yeah, I think it's a good point. And I think I find it interesting that whenever she is mentioned, it's usually, you know, that word harlot is mentioned with her, right? right. The harlot Rahab. And it's always that constant reminder. But I think we can look at it as as the lesson that, you know, God is going to use imperfect people to fulfill his perfect plan. Right. And in his perfect ways. And it doesn't matter what you have done or think you've done, you can always turn your turn your life around no matter where you came from. And I think we'll hit onto that a little more detail in a little bit. So I won't spend too much time on that now. But I find it interesting that you know, she's always described as the harlot Rahab because that's in fact what she was right. when this was happening. And, um, but you know, it's that reminder that you can, you can come from doing something like that and turn your life around uh, for the better. No, you're exactly right. The second thing that I want to point out here when we talk about Rahab's lie is that, and I think this is so important to remember that her lie is never and never will be justified at any point in scripture. I want you, if you think that, find me the find me the passage, Old Testament or New Testament, where an inspired writer wrote the words, and Rahab was blessed because of her lie, or and Rahab's lie is justified. You can't find it because it's not in Scripture. Her actions were never, ever justified because, as you and I know, God is not a God of lies. Right. And I think it's important to realize uh, that, you know, the ends don't always justify the means. Right. Right. Just because the end result was what was supposed to happen doesn't mean you can do anything you want to do to get there. And so again, you know, we'll probably touch on that a little bit more, uh, but we can't get lost in the fact of, you know, looking at the end result and saying, I can just get there however I want. That's not, that's not the way it goes, right? God has laid out a plan and a path for us that we, uh, that we must follow. Exactly. Her actions never justified. There was a plan that needed to happen. We know that God is not a God of lies. We know he's a God of truth. I mean, if you think about it, if he were the God of anything else, how could we trust anything that God tells us? You know, his judgments are true. His commandments are true. His law is true. His precepts are true. Just read through Psalm chapter 119 over and over and over again. It talks about God's words and precepts and commandments being truth. Everything about God and Jesus is true and truthful. Therefore, because of that, you and I have to be very, very careful to even suggest that lying in any situation whatsoever by any person could ever be justifiable. Um, To try and rationalize dishonesty, I think, is a very slippery slope that none of us would really want to tread on because, I mean, think about it. Lies and dishonesty originate, where do they first originate and come from? Well, we know they come from the devil, from the Satan, from the father of lies. John 8 and verse 44. I think about passages like Proverbs 11 and verse 1. The Bible says, dishonest scales are what to the Lord? An abomination, um, but a just weight is his, is his delight. 
you and I ought to want to delight our creator in this life. We want to make him happy not take and to not take part in the things that are abominations to him, that being things like dishonesty. Proverbs 12, verse 22, lying lips again are what to the Lord? An abomination. But those who deal truthfully are his delight. God's always God always commends honesty and will and always condemns dishonesty. And I, so I think it's so important to make sure we understand and realize that everything associated with God is true. Therefore, lying at any point and at any time about anything will always be wrong. Yeah, I think about you know. It's a pretty powerful verse that we think about, but Revelation 21 and verse 8, right? right? lists all these abominations and, and all liars, you know, have their place in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. So, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head there as, as far as, you know, you know, in you're talking about God is, you know, truth and in him there is no sin right. at all. And so, therefore, if, if any sort of lie is a sin, then, you know, God's going to have no part of that. So, therefore, we should have no part of that as well. Exactly. And one of the things that I really want to kind of push um, to you guys and make the point to you guys is this idea of the future depends on what we do in the present and not what we did in the past. Now, you and I know, everybody knows, everyone has a past. Not everyone is always proud of the past. And I think that we've all done things in our past that we wish we had never done. But that doesn't mean that that has to control what we do right now and what will happen in the future. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things we don't want to, we wish we had never done. But that doesn't mean it gets to control the way we live right now. Right. I think a perfect example of that is Paul, right? Or, right. or the formerly known as Saul. Uh, you know, he, he wreaked, wreaked havoc on the church. He persecuted the church, you know, so much so that when Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, of course, uh, even with Saul's good intentions, he, he was kind of taken back. He didn't really realize what he was doing right. until he had that, you know, change of heart and change of mind. But he persecuted the church, again, wreaking havoc uh, wherever Christians were at. And, you know, he would even go on to say in Acts 23 and verse 1 that he did all these things in all good conscience. But obviously that didn't matter. He still did, um, you know, things that were against God's will. But he also writes in Philippians 3.13, you know, to forget the things which are behind mm -hmm. and reach forward to those that were ahead. If anybody had a pass, it was certainly Paul right. or more so when he was Saul. And if he was able, to, if he's able to forget those things, to, to move forward, to press forward, to, to move on, to do the things that God would have us to do. Um, if he was able to do that, then any any of us can as well. Exactly. And you can even go throughout the book of Isaiah. And in three different occasions in the book of Isaiah, um, I, the writer there, he talks about how what God does with our sins. Basically, when, we, when we're forgiven of our sins, he remembers them no more. He puts them behind his back. He washes it white as snow. And so the idea that when we sin, we can be forgiven of those things. Those things in our past, they don't have to control and shape our future and our present. We can look to God, ask for that forgiveness, and then not have to carry that weight and that burden anymore. And we can move on to do great things. So when we talk about Rahab, we know that she was someone who did live an, an unrighteous life. She lived an impure life, a life that was not dedicated to God and to what she was what she was supposed to do. And yet, we know that she was still able to go on and do great things. Um, and I, you know, there are things that can happen in life um, that we've done, things that have taken place. Um, choices that we've made, actions that we've partaken in, but we can't allow that to stop us from being productive in the here and now. We can't allow our past to stop us from doing great things for God right now and in the future. You think about it, Rahab helped her family into a much better situation than when they were in. She packed up and she moved everyone forward 
towards a better life, you jump to chapter 6 in the book of Joshua. Joshua 6 and verse 23, the Bible says, And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. Rahab knew better. She did better, and she left the worst behind her and moved on to something greater despite all the things that she had done um, in her past. Right, and it comes down to the fact that no matter what you do in your past, um, you can turn it around, and we'll hit on that here in a second. But And it was one step at a time, but eventually she had to first make the choice that she was going to do better, as you just said. She knew better, but she ultimately had to do better, and that creates that that 180 turn, right, to start walking uh, opposite of the way you've been walking and walking towards uh, God in the the way that he would have us to live. Exactly. So two things that I kind of want to point out. Number one, Rahab was not born into an ideal situation. Obviously, her parents were not who they needed to be. Um, she was involved, uh, Rahab was involved in pagan uh, idolatry. She was involved in harlotry, obviously a life that was not um, according, according to God and what he was having his people do. The reason I tell you this is that is this. Don't allow your circumstances that you are dealt to form your spiritual future. Don't allow your situation that you find yourself in, the scenarios you find yourself in, to um, to form who you're going to be. Because you can, despite everything going on, you can rise higher and become someone greater and better than what's around you. And that's exactly what Rahab did. She didn't allow her unfortunate and sinful circumstances around her shape her and form her, obviously at a later point in life, to being something and someone who could not be used for God and for his, for his glory. Yeah, you know, think about that. We can't dwell on the situation we're in because right. we'll never get out of it, right. right? If we if we sit there and kind of sit in that hole thinking that, you know, why has this happened to me? We'll never truly get out of it. You know, I think about uh, the saying that, you know, we can't control the hand that we're dealt, but all we control is how it's going to be played. You know, and so there's things in Caleb's life that that he's had to go through that that I won't ever have to go through, and and likewise, there's things I've gone through that he won't have to go through. Right. We're all dealt different hands. We're all born into certain different circumstances, uh, but it's ultimately always each of our responsibility uh, individually to get out of those circumstances to still do um, God's will. And so we can't dwell on those circumstances either because we'll never truly get out of them if we're trying to keep going back to them. Yeah, exactly. If you're someone who's not yet a Christian, that doesn't mean that you can't ever be a Christian. If you're someone who's born um, into a Christian family and maybe they're lukewarm, maybe they're not doing what they're what they're supposed to be doing, that doesn't mean that you personally can't be on fire for God. I think so many times we allow ourselves to be molded by everything going on in this life rather than allowing ourselves to be molded by the Word of God. The second thing I want to point out before we kind of close this is the fact that the spies didn't allow her background to stop them from teaching her and showing her the right kind of example. Um, Think about this scenario. Say a homosexual couple walks into your services. What are you going to do? What do you think your congregation where you're at would do? I I honestly am truly afraid that it would kind of be like the parting of the Red Sea, that no one would want to be near them, no one would want to talk to them, that they would be shunned and treated very, very unfairly. Now, I'm not saying we accept their lifestyle. That's not at all what I'm saying. Homosexuality is a sinful way of living life. But I'm, what I am saying is that we accept them as souls that Christ has died for. And in, order, and in doing so, we're going to teach them the gospel. We're going to try to get them the help that they need. And I think that's so important for us to know. You can still reach out to someone and try to help them without accepting 
their lifestyle and the sinful choices that they've made um, in, in their life. Yeah, I think one thing that we can remember is that, uh, and this really works from both angles, from both of those points you bring out, from the one with the past and also the ones that are trying to teach these people with the past. But it's the fact that no matter how dirty something gets, it can always be cleaned again. Right, absolutely. Right? One step at a time, it can always be cleaned again. Even when it seems overwhelmed and there's just uh, nothing you can do about it, it can still be cleaned. And I think that's a really important for us to remember, again, as the person with the past, that maybe you feel that, you know, you've done so many terrible things in your life. There's no way you can be forgiven of them. Well, Rahab was forgiven of them. Right. Paul was forgiven. Of them. And we can go and talk about more, you know, more individuals that, that went through those circumstances as well. Um, but then likewise, also, I think about, as you said, the spies, not allowing that to stop them from teaching them because they understood that, um, you know, they need the gospel too. And no one is, is too bad for the gospel. Everyone is certainly deserving of being, uh, having the gospel shared with them because, as you said, Christ died for, for all, and he died for each and every soul that, that walks on this earth. And so we have to try our very best to teach them, no matter where they're coming from. And if, and if not us, then, then who? And I think that's something we have to remember that you know everyone is, is worthy of that, and everyone needs to be treated as such, and also treat yourself that way too. Right. There was a slogan um, that a plumbing company once used, and it said, there is no place that is too dark, too deep, or too dirty that we can't reach and fix. And um, I don't, you know, that's kind of a perfect way to describe, you know, the grace and the mercy and the blood of Jesus right. Christ. There's no, there's nothing that you have done that is too bad or too dirty um, or too dark that God cannot forgive, but we have to be willing to allow him to forgive us of those things um, that we've committed um, in this life. Um, I know we probably ran a little bit long, but I certainly appreciate you joining us today for this episode of the Transform Podcast. This has probably been one of my favorite episodes in talking about Rahab because it's something that we don't really get to talk about a lot, and yet there's so many good lessons that we can learn and apply to our lives. And Ben, I appreciate you helping us out on this episode today. Yeah, again, I was glad to do it. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.